It's Tesco with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. insight as he always does but let's go ahead and get started like we always do it's time for our need to know news here's your need to know news all right let's get started with uh, your boilermakers back on top of the ap pool got that number one spot like brian mcknight they're back at one uh they collected 39 first place votes beating out Alabama with 23. They're the only two teams to receive those first place votes as well. No other Big Ten teams made the top 25. Ooh, when's the last time that's happened? That's a tough Big Ten, man. I know some will sit here and say, well, it's just a sign that the uh, that the league is really weak. I don't know if I go that far with it. There's just there's a lot of parity in the league. Uh, Indiana with 61 uh, points comes in at 27th. Michigan State got some here too, some love. 10 points for them, and they come in at 32. The Illini got some points for 33rd. Nine, Wisconsin with six points. And that's it. That's that's what happened there in the uh, in the Big Ten. Cool. Speaking of those Boilers, hey, a W yesterday over Maryland, 58-55. to 55. Zach Eady with another good one. 24 points, 16 boards. Purdue just 2 of 13 shooting from behind the arc. And they were better in the, first, in the second half like they usually are. 26% after shooting 50% in the first. That's Zach's 16th double-double of the season. He is already ranking 8th on Purdue's single-season double-double list. His 28th career double-double in ninth in school uh, is ninth in school history. Uh, Edie recorded his 250th rebound of the season as well in his 19th game. Just eight players since the beginning of the decade have more rebounds in the first 19 games of the year. He is only he's the only player since uh, the 2010-2011 season to have 400 points, 250 rebounds through the first 19 games. Chris Foreman coming through with some darn good notes there. Uh, in his uh, reporting there. Boilers get a few days rest. They're going to head out to Michigan Thursday night. That's a late start to 9 o'clock. Tremendous. Blackhawks lose the Kings last night 2-1. to one. That's the final. Oddly enough, all three games of the series end with a 2-1 final, but this one was the only one not to go to OT. Weird. Uh, Hawks off to Vancouver tomorrow. You know, I used to uh, really... I mean, we hammered them for a while against them in the puck line. I mocked them a lot. They had that huge losing streak, and yet you go to that turnaround game against the Coyotes where they won three in a row. Now they won another three in a row and lost again, so that's six out of the last eight that they have won, and they've covered the puck line in seven of those last eight. And you can still get them at a pretty good price in most of these games, so... 
We'll see what happens against Vancouver, who just let go of their coach the other day. Hey, who knows? Maybe we're riding that puck line again. I'm all about money. I don't care. Pacers with the night off tonight. They're going to host the Bulls tomorrow. Meanwhile, the Bulls will be in action tonight. At home, they'll take on Hotlanta. Chicago, a one-point favorite there. Girls sectional basketball draw is out. It'll start next Tuesday over at Jeff. It's Jeff and, uh, sorry, it's uh, Kokomo and McCutcheon at Jeff Harrison with the bye. They'll play the winner of that game. Meanwhile, the other side of the bracket, Jeff got a bye as well. They'll get the winner of Logan Sport and Marion. West Lafayette with the uh, bye. They'll get the winner of undefeated Twin Lakes and North Montgomery. CC uh, is hosting and Central Catholic gets a bye, getting the winner of Seeger in Delphi out in Attica. It's Faith Christian with a tough one Tuesday night, opening up against Clinton Central, who the Eagles beat uh, about a week ago, a little over a week ago, 49-48 to over at uh, Clinton Central. So that'll be a fantastic rematch, good action there. Uh, that is, uh, we'll talk to Sam a little bit more about it, and that is the Need to Know News. All right, we're going to get back at it again tonight with my friends from DraftKings. If you would like to get into the Big 12, Kansas and Baylor Moneyline, they can get you. Uh, check this out. I like this. It's an early win. So you take either the Kansas or you take the Baylor money line. And if they get up 10 at any point in the game, your money line bet automatically pays out. How about that? With that, here's... Here's the thing with that. Whenever I get those up 10 and wins, it's it's nice to have. It's a one and a half point spread here. You almost have to take Kansas on the road here uh, because you get the boost uh, at plus 105. I mean, Baylor at minus 125. I guess you can go with your gut, but I just. Not saying that Kansas is going to win, but like, I just feel like you can get a little bit of plus money in that action. That's me. Also, if you want to get into it, up to 100% boost on a college basketball parlay this evening. More legs you add, more money you are going to cash. And we only have one Big Ten game tonight. But you get a minimum 20% boost on a three-game parlay tonight. So I, I don't I don't hate that whatsoever. Also, no sweat NHL, same-game parlay. Uh, there's some pretty good stuff in the NHL here tonight. Uh, but let's take a look at what you know, and that's the Big Ten. There is one Big Ten game tonight, which it was supposed to be a quiet slate, but then they went ahead and slid in Wisconsin and Northwestern. I'm excited about this one here tonight. Wisconsin, with Tyler Wall back, they are 14 points better per 100 possessions when Wall plays. He is a big difference. And right now, you're getting Wisconsin at plus points at Northwestern. I'm starting to wonder if the clock is starting to strike midnight on the Wildcats. You know I was a very big champion of them early on in the season. I like the way that they play defense, but the offense is just not rounded back into form. And when it does round into form, the defense goes out the window. So they're coming off two straight losses at Michigan and at home versus Rutgers. I know, two tough two tough opponents. They did go down and beat an Indiana team. I just feel like Northwestern takes on the identity of their opponents, right? Michigan's a bit of a higher-scoring team. 
They score a lot of points. They lose that one. Rutgers, big defensive team. That's a low-scoring game. IU, higher-scoring team. They go ahead and put up 84 points. Illinois, much more offensive, defensive-oriented. They put up the 73. It just seems like that's what they that's what they do. For me here, look, I like Wisconsin plus the three. Uh, if you can get the three points, that is awesome. I'll tell you why. Northwestern has not been practicing. They've had the COVID challenges. So over the past week, they were reportedly down to just six healthy players at one point. That stuff will take a little bit out of you here, too. So I don't know if they're in the best form here. Uh, Wisconsin has had rest as well. So I guess I'm even on the rustiness factor a little bit. But the fact that Northwestern probably hasn't really been able to practice or practice together, uh, that does that does bother me there. Wisconsin just held Penn State to 60 points as well. If they can hold Penn State to 60 points, what do you think they'll do to Northwestern? Wildcats are 132 and adjusted offense. 227 in tempo. Wisconsin is 125 in adjusted offense. 344 in tempo. This over-under is 123, and part of me wonders if they'll even break 105 combined tonight. We're talking the 11th and 12th ranked offenses in the Big Ten and the 3rd and 4th ranked defenses in the Big Ten. Slow playing. Two teams that are known for their defense and not so much about their offensive prowess. And you got a team here that has probably struggled to practice a lot over the last week. So I love the under in this one. It's at 123. I think you can take that one here tonight. That's that's probably my favorite. I think I like that a little bit more than just the Wisconsin with the three or two and a half, whatever you get. I'd sprinkle a little. Look, if you want to take Wisconsin plus two and a half, you might as well sprinkle Wisconsin money line. I also would not hate it if you wanted to go ahead and go to your game lines there, scroll down, find an alternate spread, and see if you can't buy your or alternate total. I'm sorry, see if you can't buy yourself a uh, buy yourself a lower over under. You can get down to plus 170 on under 117 and a half. That's not a bad lottery ticket for tonight. But I think Wisconsin edges that one out tonight. In fact, I don't even want the points. Just go ahead and give me the money line. Let's make a little extra money. Let's take the under as well. That'll be my play tonight here uh, with our friends from DraftKings. Don't go anywhere. you got to stay right there. Coming back, we have um, our good buddy uh, Sam King from the Journal and Courier will join us next. Uh, we'll talk about uh, yesterday's Maryland game, the outlook on Purdue. Now they're back at number one. And uh, we'll also uh, kind of talk a little here uh, about girls' sectional draw, see what he likes and see what he's excited about. Uh, stay tuned. There is more Hammer Down Show coming up next on one. Uh, we're going to bring in Sam King from the Lafayette Journal and Courier. I mean, covers Purdue, covers high school. I mean, if your uncle's playing pickleball, I'm pretty sure this guy's got to be there to uh, write a story on it. Uh, he's got everything covered in Lafayette. Sam, it's always a pleasure talking with you, buddy. Um, I do want to get into this Purdue team here in a couple of minutes, but first, it's that magical time of the year. We just did sectional draws for girls' basketball. Uh, it's starting. It's uh, hard to believe it's already the end of January here, but uh, the girls did the draws yesterday, and I, I saw most of the area teams seem to have first-round buys, a couple playing on uh, on Tuesday, though. But what stood out to you from the uh, girls' sectional draw? Well, uh, I think the 
the number one thing that jumped out at me is the sectional at Benton Central in Class 3A. Uh, you have the number one team in Class 3A in Twin Lakes, which is still undefeated. Um, plays North Montgomery in the first round, and that's going to be a, a cakewalk. But winning that would uh, set up a third meeting between West Lafayette and Twin Lakes. And uh, the first two were pretty, uh, pretty big wars. Uh, I know that when West Lafayette lost early in the Hoops Classic, uh, had a 15-point lead and really felt like we had a team and we let it slip away and uh, didn't get to go on and win that championship in that tournament and then lost uh, in the Hoosier Conference regular season matchup. So now you get a probably a third chance to beat that team and uh, really is a you know kind of a sectional of, of death in a lot of ways. You have Benton Central, which is you know a power every single year. Westerns in that sectional in the bottom half. So uh, really, I think there's four teams in that sectional that could win and. Even though Twin Lakes is, is 21 and 0 right now, it would not surprise me if Twin Lakes is not the sectional champion. So I'm really looking forward to that semifinal matchup. And uh, in, in 4A, the sectional Lafayette Jeff, I think that Harrison has probably had some better teams in recent years, but I think this team probably is the one that has the best chance to win a sectional championship just because of, uh, you know, some of the other teams in that bracket are down this year. And uh, you no longer have to deal with Northwestern being in that sectional. Um, which was doomsday for Harrison in the past. So uh, you're probably going to get, I would think, a McCutcheon-Harrison semifinal there um, that is really intriguing because the last time Harrison uh, had a chance to end a long sectional drought, I think it's been since 1986 uh, that that team has won a sectional. Um, McCutcheon won on a uh, last-second shot basically from Teresa Maggio a couple years ago. So um, that is definitely standing out. And then you've got um, – Faith Christian had this phenomenal year and then uh, got maybe the one team it didn't want to draw in the opening night uh, at Attica against Clinton Central, a team that uh, really pushed Faith Christian to the end of the game a couple weeks ago uh, in what was a, a one-point victory. So uh, that's something that stands out. And then, um, you know, if you look at 2A, Central Catholic is a team that always expects to make a deep tournament run, but now you've bumped up to 2A and you're in a sectional that has Seeger, that has uh, Carroll, which is a, a really good team. Clinton Prairie, which is starting to find its way and, and just beat Carroll uh, last week. So, uh, the, you know, probably four teams there that you wouldn't be surprised if any of those win. It's it's really a crazy year where there's no team that stands out as, like, the dominant team in, in these sectionals, and uh, that's what makes it fun. It's just amazing to me that we're already talking sectionals for girls' hoops. It's like, just feel like the time has just been flying by here. We're talking with Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier here on our Hammerhead Hotline. Let's uh, let's turn our attention over uh, to Purdue. Uh, back up to number one in the uh, rankings today, Sam. Uh, real tight uh, battle there with Alabama for that spot, but uh, a real tight battle on Sunday against Maryland. A, a, a Terrapin team that came in obviously wanted to be physical and try to frustrate Zach Eady in that way to try to get him to maybe provoke a response in some way. Uh, Zach did not break his stride at any point. He played his game uh, all day and again with another 24 points and 16 rebounds. He continues to be an absolute monster. I mean, everybody comes in with a game plan for this guy and so far, I would think outside of Michigan State, nobody's really had much of an answer or figured out what the heck to do with him. Um, and now I'm starting to wonder how stoppable he is, Sam. Yeah, and uh, that this honestly was not one of his best games. He's had better games where he scored less points and had less rebounds. Um, he did turn it over five times, so he did get frustrated a little bit. And then after the game, Matt Painter said even, you know, some of the, the stuff that they let go, the grabbing and pulling and pushing and all that, uh, 
starts to get to him, and then you uh, get in a situation where you don't want Edie to retaliate, and then you get a dumb foul call. So uh, a lot of time is spent basically calming him down and saying, "Hey, you're seven foot four and almost three hundred pounds, and you're going to get beat up on a little bit. So you have to take that, but also understand you can't retaliate." And that's got to be frustrating when um, you know you are the focal point of the offense. They clearly play inside out and hope that uh, Edie can get going and then they can get some good looks from the outside. But um, he, he was getting the crap beat out of him the whole game. And for the first 20 minutes, they were fouls. And then the second half, not so much. And that's, I think, probably the frustration and why uh, Coach Painter felt he had to speak up on this is, you know, if you're going to let them play physical, you let them play physical from the opening tip and you adjust to that. Uh, if you let them... You know, if you're going to call fouls, you can't slip in the second half and say, okay, now we're going to let them play physical because that's not how the game's been called. So, you know, just be consistent with it is the biggest thing. But, um, you know, the weird thing that Coach Willard from Maryland said was uh, after the game, he said, we knew we were going to make a run, which against a team of, of Purdue's defensive caliber, you don't just assume we're going to make a run at some point. Now, you don't want to be down 16 points before you start to make a run, but um, it definitely got interesting. And uh, you would like to see Purdue – you know, this is three games now where they've had great starts uh, at Minnesota, at Michigan State, and got huge leads. And in two of those games, uh, the Michigan State game and then yesterday, uh, those leads vanished. Um, and you, you want to see them put teams away when they're in that situation. But um, the best thing about this is Purdue got three wins. Uh, it saw some new things yesterday with the, the full-court press, the traps, the zone defense, um, switching from zone to man in the middle of a possession. Um, these are things that Purdue has to see because when you get in the NCAA tournament, you're going to see teams that you're not familiar with that have come up with any kind of game plan possible to slow down those guards or uh, deny Edie the ball, and you want to be prepared and say, hey, we've seen this before, and this is uh, how we practice to beat that. So I think in retrospect, this is a good thing in the long term mainly because you won and also because you didn't play well for the second half and, and still found a way to win the game. Sam, yeah, you, you bring up a great point there, especially with the shooting. I mean, 2 of 13 from 3, they didn't hit one in the entire second half. Went from 50% shooting to 26% in that second half, 38% for the game. I think it's a little reassuring, I think, for Purdue fans that uh, this team was able to win on what was not a great shooting performance for them. And it just seems like at home they've struggled, oddly enough, uh, to shoot, but um, I believe that's a good growing moment. You, you brought up a lot of the great teaching moments that this team uh, got, thanks to things like the trap and and uh, you know, the full court pressure and and in the zone. Uh, like Sam said, uh, things that you're going to run to into the tournament that uh, you don't want to be caught flat footed seeing. But uh, is it time to get concerned a little bit about the shooting again? Because you know, like we pointed out, it, it was not a great effort from them in the second, especially in the second half. But overall. Uh, they they did not shoot the ball well at all yesterday. No, and one of those threes that went in was actually Fletcher Lawyer <laughs> throwing in a contested yeah. <laughs> desperation crap shot that somehow banked in. The Sam King uh, special. <laughs> that that ball had no business going in, and that's kind of at the time I said, you know, we've heard all year from the coaches, from the players that water finds its level, and this is a really good shooting team, so it's going to even out. Uh, you've missed some open looks that should have gone down and then you get that one to go. So uh, maybe that was the case of that. But then the two of 13 was very concerning, especially because there were some games there uh, starting 
with you know late in that Ohio State game and then some games after, you started to say, okay, this team is, is hitting outside shots. Um, they're going to be fine. And then you revert right back to not shooting very well and not shooting well at Mackey, which is you know the the place you should feel comfortable and, and be able to shoot well. So um, you're going to have to be able to hit outside shots because teams are going to continue to uh, help on Edie or you know sag in the post and put two guys out there, and that's going to leave somebody open. And, and I know the strategy right now seems to be uh, let Ethan Morton shoot it because he's he's struggling, but he's a guy that shot over 40% from three last year, so you know he's capable. It's just they haven't fallen yet. And, um, you know, we keep being told that they're going to go down, they're going to go down. But at some point, you do become what the averages say, uh, especially when you get 20 games into a season. So I imagine that's just they're going to get in there and, and shoot some more shots in the gym and, and hope that uh, that corrects itself. Um, I don't think it's anything that they're doing uh, specifically that they're not going in or that you need to correct something. It's just uh, kind of this weird outlier that shots that you feel comfortable taking aren't going in right now. Um, now you hope that there's a night where you hit 12, 15 threes and you blow a team out of the gym, and you hope when that happens it's a game that you need those. Uh, maybe you know Thursday against Michigan I think it's going to be a, a tough game that – uh, maybe that's the one where you hope some of those shots fall, and that's the difference in a ball game. Talk with Sam King of the Journal and Courier on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Sam, you brought up a guy, Ethan Morton, who uh, has just been a real lightning rod on uh, social media. I think a lot of times because people will look at the total points scored, then they'll look at his plus-minus, which was a team low, you know, nine. Um, I-, I think he's a good player. I think he gets uh, really hard defensive matchups every game. Um, I-, I don't know that uh, there are some... Purdue fans that really appreciate uh, what he brings to this. He remains a starter. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Ethan Morton and what you've thought about him over the last several games. Oh, if you saw him walking out of the palestra after uh, Purdue had beaten Penn State, you know, I I thought he was sick or something, but I think he was just dead exhausted from uh, the defensive matchups and having to chase a guy around for, you know, 30-plus minutes. Uh, it is a tough assignment, and yeah, you know, you look at his points per game and his shooting and say, you know, he's, he's hurting us. But um, you also look at Jameer Young going 4 of 18 yesterday and saying, man, that's a dude that can, can light it up and, and score 20, 30 points. So, you know, he ends up with 10. And you think on most days where he takes 18 shots, he's going to have 20-plus points. Um, just take those, you know, 10 points right there and add that to Ethan Morton's average because it really does factor out like that in some ways. Uh, I feel like, you know, the points per game uh, plus maybe what you held the other guy from getting um, should be more indicative of, of the value that you offer to a team. And um, it, it's tough when you're, you know, the, the Chris Kramer type or whoever it might be where it's like, hey, your job is to go out there and make sure that that guy doesn't beat us. And uh, especially when you get a guy that runs around, it's capable of getting to the rim, it's capable of coming off screens, catching and shooting. Um, he, he's running – I, I imagine multiple miles a game just chasing people around and for the most part doing an excellent job of uh, limiting the other team's best uh, perimeter player. Sam, and I also can't believe he somehow had two block shots in that game. Uh, One which was a lot of fun because uh, he got that shot, that layup from behind, and then it just smacked. I can't remember who the Terrapin player was. It went right off his face and out of bounds. Uh, Has to be a uh, highlight, but uh, I think you're 100% right about him. Uh, there's just there's not stats that really reflect what he brings to the table for you as a starter, is there? No, and um, let's just go back and think about the Ohio State game. Uh, Purdue is down 
and he steals and you know they they get the inbounds pass and he steals it and then they get it to Edie and then back out to Lawyer for what was the game winning shot. If he doesn't make that play, Purdue probably is sitting with two losses right now. So um, right there is one game that he he won for you by himself just with defensive play. Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier, you know he does a tremendous job, man. I don't even know how we got him to sit still for like 10 minutes just to talk to him, but uh, we're lucky enough to do that. Buddy, I know how busy you are, and uh, we always appreciate you being on the show. We appreciate your coverage locally, especially with that high school stuff, man. So uh, please continue to keep up the good work, and we'll have you back on again soon, bud. Sounds good. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Thanks, Sam. Take care, buddy. All right, we're going to take another break here. We're going to come back, and uh, when we return, let's talk a little bit more about that Maryland game, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like, and we'll continue to take your thoughts on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead text line, 765-447-4080. we got more local sports talk coming up next on the Hammerdown Show. It's the Hammerdown Show on 101.7 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Love to hear uh, your questions, your comments on yesterday's Purdue win on the uh, Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead text line 765-447-4080. That number again is 765-447-4080. Big thanks to Sam King, Journal and Courier, for being on with us here. Uh, that was always a great, he's always a great convo, man. He's a great dude. Uh, let's get into uh, yesterday's game, though, Purdue. Uh, now, uh, with uh, the number one ranking, best start in school history, up to the 19 games, wins, 19-1 uh, and one in, uh, in the win column now. I'm not making any dang sense, but you know what I mean. 19-1, and one, they're 8-1 in the conference uh, with another win. Overwhelming favorites in Vegas right now. I think the best you can get them is like minus 400, I think, to win the conference. Ugh. I mean, they've got, they got the lead right now. You look at the rest of the Big Ten, they're 8-1. and one. Rutgers and Michigan are two and a half games back. You got a chance to dispatch Michigan uh, from that, and then, you know, you're basically just holding out hope that well, somebody comes up and snatches Rutgers, which is, I don't know how possible it is. They can be very inconsistent. They lost on the road at Michigan State by three. Hey, no shame in that. It's a good team. They've got Penn State at home. Penn State not that great on the road as they've been in Bryce Jordan. they got Iowa. So they got two teams that can really score coming up on them. They still got a rematch against Michigan State as well. But, yeah, that's kind of where – that's what you're battling there uh, for Purdue with a two-and-a-half game lead uh, as the uh, calendar flips here uh, to Monday the 23rd. You know, Michigan this week on Thursday. You come back on Sunday at home against Michigan State. That thing will be, both those games will be a war. Both those games will be tough. Uh, and then the uh, home game against uh, Penn State there on, was, is the first of Thursday, I believe? So that's what the schedule's looking like. Uh, but Purdue with a nice win, 58 uh, to 55. Uh, just a head scratcher of a performance in the second half. They got out to a really great start, and they had been. Really a second-half team in the first half of the season. You had seen them get better as the game went on, they, especially on the road. They'd weather that punch on the road in the first half. They'd come out and dominate in the second. This was the opposite. Shot 50% from the field in the first, 26.9% in the second. Finished at 38.5% shooting. Three-point percentage was two for 13. That's 15%. Ugh. But here's the thing. There's only, all that matters 
is that there is a W by Purdue's name at the end of the matchup. Good shooting, bad shooting, I don't care. As long as they win, I don't care how they do it. I don't care if they don't hit a three. I don't care if they shoot 38.5%. If they win, that's all that matters. You got more points than the other guy at the end of the game? Cool. Sam brought up a lot of great points there, too. Getting some good pressure in the full court. Trap. Dealing with change, uh, changing it up into the zone. Getting a team that in Maryland, who's clearly came into that game yesterday with a strategy of doing what they can to frustrate Edie from a physical standpoint and just dare the refs to call it. And that hopefully that the refs would not call it and that Zach would retaliate and then he would get himself into foul trouble. Zach kept his cool. I'm sure it's not easy getting hacked and nothing getting called the entire game either. But he kept his cool, and uh, they got you know they go out there and they get the W. Uh, Brandon Newman was a plus 14 on the stat sheet. Just two points. He was 0-3 shooting. Two free throws made. Pair of rebounds. Pair of assists. He got 10 minutes of run time, and they were again, plus 14. Now, Ethan Morton continues to be a lightning rod for some online. Two of five shooting, 0 for 2 from 3. It's not like he's taking bad shots. They're just not following. Five rebounds, four points, and he's on, you know, he usually gets one of the toughest defensive assignments uh, on the squad. Not easy. You're asking a lot out of him. And he played the most minutes of anybody on the floor. You're simply asking him to be a defensive stalwart, and he is giving you everything that he's got. Like Sam said, if you will see him walk off the palestra, you're surprised he was able to walk off the palestra floor. Braden Smith had three turnovers in that one versus four assists. Zach Eady with the five turnovers. That's a little bit of the frustration there. But 24 points, 16 rebounds, what, what, what more do you want? But I really thought Maryland came in, that, that was the key here. And when we were talking about the focal point for Zach Eady and what teams need to do to shut him down, because nobody seems like they have the ability to match up. Nobody wants to continue to double-team Zach Eady and then give, just give these shooters plenty of time and wide-open threes. So as a new strategy here, well, maybe we can upset him enough to where he decides that he's going to throw an elbow, he's going to do something dumb, or he's going to retaliate and get himself into foul trouble. Maybe we can win the mental war with him. Didn't work out. I just I don't know what you do. If you do not have the physical tools to match up with him, what what do you do? You know, it's not a bad plan that Maryland had. Especially see I don't I, I've gone on these rants about being a little bit more supportive of officials. I'm okay with ones that maybe call it one way or the other as long as they're consistent. 
but it's hard to deny the fact that you have uh, an official in Courtney Green where Purdue is 1-18-1. 1-18-1 against the spread over the last 20 with him officiating. That's an absurd number. I'm not saying it's anything malicious either. I'm not saying any, he's doing anything intentionally. But maybe if you have a guy with that kind of track record, and Zach Eady's still not getting fouls, I don't know, he's a novel idea. Maybe he just doesn't commit fouls. How do you stop him? Heck, I don't know. I still think your best bet is you try to drag him out to the free throw line if you can. And if you can get a little bit of space and get your guard past him, you can do that. Maybe that's the way to get to the basket, but then you still got to deal with Caleb first when you get in there. When he has the ball offensively, I I still think it's got to be a better option just to try to double-team him in the post and either make him try to make a contested shot through a couple of guys or kick it out and and see if this Purdue team can still hit threes. That just seems smarter. Why why give him like a shot that he hits 70% of the time when you can force him to kick it out and make these guys take shots where they're hitting 30% of the time? And yet still nobody really seems to want to be committed to do that. I mean, if I'm going to get beat either way here, I might as well play a percentage play with this, right? Nobody seems to want to do that, though. I got to think it's it's coming. It'll be interesting to see what Michigan State does against them if they try the same game plan again, because it nearly worked in the Breslin Center. Michigan will be extremely interesting. Now, Jet Howard walked off the court. I, I've not seen an update on him. But Jed Howard, uh, I, I saw, got roughed up pretty good in that Minnesota game. I do not, I, I've not checked in on the status of him, you know, looking at all this other stuff today. But, you know, Hunter Dickinson's been pretty darn good against Purdue. But, uh, yeah, if they were to lose Jet Howard, because he only put in that 15 minutes, I mean, that is, uh, that's almost 15 points a game that he averages that he'd be missing out on. Be a huge break for Purdue going into that one. We'll see what happens. We got till Thursday. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. We're going to come back here. We'll wrap up the show. We'll do things we missed and more. That's coming up next on the Hammer Down Show. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Later on this week, I will have your tickets for Purdue and Penn State. How about that? Excited about getting those guys uh, back in town, Coach Shrewsbury, and I'm just excited to uh, I'm excited to watch Zach dominate the interior again. Oh, he was so good that game with the Palestra. I want to see him do that again. All right, time for a few things that we may have missed today. I am I'm so sick and tired of these viral videos of people smashing their television sets. There's one today of a Dallas Cowboy fan. I know they're all upset. They're not in the uh, not going to make another divisional game here. Brock Purdy has like more, I I think, uh, Playoff wins than Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. 
Ugh. Not great. Understand your frustration. If you want to punch your TV, you want to throw something at your TV, okay, whatever. Here's my point, though. This dude's sitting in a garage with, like, a 30-inch TV that he punches. These things are, like, 75 bucks now, these cheap TVs. And I'm supposed to expect that you got so mad in the moment that you punched. Uh, and, and he's got, like, people over, too. This is how I know it's fake. If you had a choice of sitting home or going over here to Dirtbag's house and his little garage here and watching his 32-inch TV, what are you doing? Come on. That's not his TV that he normally watches the game on. It's just there so he can punch it and go viral. They all do. Watch it. You ever see anybody break what looks to be an expensive-looking TV out of anger? They never do it. It's always some cheap little 30, 32-inch TV. Next time you go to Walmart, take a look and see how cheap those things are. They're going to be 100 bucks. Also from this weekend and things we missed, I can't believe this, but I'm actually somewhat kind of happy that the Bengals won. Had the Bengals lost, we would have gotten our neutral site game, and it would have been a dry run for the NFL to see how it works out to having a neutral site conference championship game. Now, we told you about this last week where these guys, um, because of these cancel game, this is one of those workarounds they were going to do, um, that they could have had the championship game in a neutral site. And because of that, they sold the whole thing out. I mean, they got sold out. The NFL says, hey, all right, I didn't realize we could do this. Good money. I'm glad they didn't do this because I think if they do this, it sells out. It's a good game. They're going to do it for both the conferences going forward. And what a nightmare. What a nightmare to be the number one seed to clinch home field advantage. And then when it comes to the most important game, it goes right out the window. I mean, what a what a kick that would be to the proverbial groin to have to do that. Could you imagine if you were a team like Buffalo, Denver, Kansas City, and you got to play, you know, Miami, Jacksonville, you know, teams that aren't used to playing in the cold weather. And now all of a sudden you get to go play them in a dome? Can you imagine being a Chargers? And instead of making, you know, the, I don't know, I hate to say the Jets, the Ravens come all the way out to play you? You got to go all the way over to Atlanta to play that game? Oh, your fans are really going to make that trip. I mean, it would be a colossal screw job here. So as much as I hate the Bungles, personal reasons, Joe Burrow is pretty cool. I, for one, am glad the NFL doesn't get to try this out, and I really hope they don't get greedy and and try to do this for both the conferences. It's a terrible idea. Terrible to make that. The Super Bowl's on a neutral field. That's it. We're good. 
That's the neutral site game. I don't need it for the conference championships either just because you guys want more money. Absolutely not. That does it for the Hammer Down show today. I want to thank our good guest, Sam King, of the Lafayette Journal and Courier. Make sure you get your subscriptions. That man works so freaking hard right now covering everything he can locally. So uh, make sure you get him to subscribe on Twitter. Tell him you appreciate all the hard work he's doing, man. The guy literally never gets a break. He's always working, man. So uh, give him a little love. With thanks, Sam, for being on. We'll repost the show here like we always do. Follow us on Facebook. You can hear it there. Give us a follow on Twitter. We're at 1017thehammer. You can give us a subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on Google. We're on uh, Audible. Um, it's all the streaming sites were there. So make sure you give us a follow. All right, come back tomorrow here, and uh, we'll spend a whole hour talking nothing but local sports with you here. Tuesday, 3 o'clock here on the Hammerdown Show on 1017.